Give him a hurry up, will you, Al? We're live, Jimmy. We're live. Good morning, church. Let's stand and sing majesty.
church this morning people my name is Peter for those of you who don't know me I'm the pastor here and uh, it's my great privilege to be preaching on my favorite parable this morning as a matter of fact uh, the parable of the workers in the vineyard a very challenging parable a parable that gets under my skin and when you think about it maybe yours as well but at the end of the day we're going to be challenging to see is God really unfair or does he give us more than what we deserve why don't we uh, commence our time together with a word of prayer church let's pray Loving and great and gracious God, thank you so much for all that you do for us. We say thank you, Father, that you give us more than enough. You give us more than we deserve. So, Father, as we gather uh, this morning in this place and indeed online, we pray that you'll make yourself known. Father, we declare that we are your people, that you are welcome in this place. Come and make yourself known. Move powerfully through us this morning, we pray. Father, we pray that you might use this time for your glory. We come seeking more of you, Lord. We pray that you might use this time to build up your church, to equip us for mission in the week ahead. In Jesus' name, all the people said, amen. Let's uh, continue with singing a, a song that uh, the angels in, in heaven sing with us. Let's sing, holy, 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 Lord God
amazing. You are indeed blessed Trinity, three persons in one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You are at your very core. You are a relationship, Father. You desire to be in relationship with us, so we surrender our lives to you now, Father, once again. We declare our desire to be in tight communion with you, relationship with you. We commit afresh to leaving the guff of the world, the stuff of the world behind, and to concentrate anew, afresh on you this week, Father. We pray that you might indeed be our guiding light, our inspiration, and the rock of our salvation, a very certain hope of things unseen, Father. Father, we confess to you all the things of this week that have not honoured you, that have not brought you glory, Father. We, we leave them at the foot of the cross, confident of your amazing grace in all times, in all circumstances, regardless of where we've been, what we've done, what we've been up to, Father. We, we say thank you that you love us nonetheless. We say thank you there's nothing that we can do that's going to make you love us any less. There's nothing we can do that's going to make you love us anymore. You love us regardless. We're your precious creation. We desire to be in union, one with us, Father. We commit ourselves to seeking more of you in our lives this week. In Jesus' name. The people said, Amen. Please take a seat. Good morning, church. How are we going? Are we well? Great to see, uh, great to see so many with us here this morning. Uh, got one or two visitors with us here. We've got uh, Jordan visiting, doing some work with the NBL. Great to have you with us here, mate. Uh, please make uh, our visitors welcome. If you don't know someone and you're a church in the marketplace regular, why don't you go up and, and say good day in just a moment, introduce yourself and build a little bit of community this morning. Uh, a few notices and announcements. Uh, we are, as I said, looking at... Uh, at uh, the parable of the workers in the vineyard with, uh, I want to acknowledge the work of Vincent uh, van Gogh. This painting, by the way, if you go back one to the, our title slide today, guys, uh, this is, in fact, a little bit of trivia for you this morning. Uh, this painting, that one, that one is the only painting that Vincent van Gogh sold during his lifetime. Did you know that one? A little bit of trivia there, his famous painting of workers in the vineyard, actually called Red uh, Vineyard is the title of the work. I believe you need to go to Moscow to see that, to see the real thing. But uh, most challenging parable this morning, as I said, my favourite parable. Have you got a favourite parable? What's your favourite parable, Brother Sean? <laughs> Anyone got a favourite parable? Help him out. Seeds, the scatter, the yeah, the parable of the seeds. Anyone else got a favourite parable? The prodigal son's a big one, a tough one, isn't it? Yeah. This is my favourite because like the prodigal son or the lost son, it's just so unfair. This one is so unfair. These last minute workers get the same reward as those that have been labouring throughout the heat of the day. So it's my favourite parable because it really, really challenges me, uh, really sort of gets under my skin and makes me makes me think a little bit, so I'm very much looking forward to getting into the parable of the workers in the vineyard today. Uh, if you are a regular church in the marketplace, we'd love to have you uh, in prayer at various times throughout the week. Uh, one of those times is prior to our worship service on a Sunday. Please, if you can get here a little bit early, we'd really appreciate that. A group of people pray for this service beforehand down in the call rooms from about 9.15 in the morning. If you are a 
Church in the Marketplace regularly. We'd love you to be giving electronically. It really does help us uh, balance the budgets and, and, and forecast how much money we've got coming in. It also is helpful for you in that you don't need to physically be here to give when you're on holidays. Uh, we still receive your tithes and your offerings. If you are giving via uh, paper money, please uh, do so by the, uh, the box at the back today. If you would like prayer for anything at all, please come down the front here at the conclusion of the service and we'd love to pray for you. If there's something that is on your heart, something that you need to let go of, something you need to be liberated from perhaps, uh, something that you're holding on to so tightly and you realise, I just need to hand this over to God, please come down the front and the elder will come and, and pray with you this morning and help you to, uh, to leave it with God, to leave it at the foot of the cross. So maybe there's just something you want to give thanks for. We'd love to pray for you that, in, in that as well. Following today's service as well, uh, if you'll be keen to have a discussion about The Voice, we're going to be doing so, a group of people up uh, having a discussion up in the Lydia room today at 11.45 sharp, so please have a bit of uh, morning tea, uh, grab a cuppa and a bicky, and for those of you that want to come up and have a discussion about uh, what you think in regards to The Voice, please come and join us in the Lydia room. No one's being told what to think or how to vote, simply keen to, uh, to ask some questions, to share some thoughts. That's up in the Lydia room for an hour from 11.45 today. Uh, friends, please don't also forget, Daylight Saving starts next Saturday night. So put your, um, put your clock forward. An hour, there's always someone, someone that forgets. Uh, I want to say congratulations uh, to, to David. Where's da is David Twang here with us? He completed the Sydney, the Sydney Marathon last week. So well done, David. I don't think they're with us this morning. Might be watching online. Congratulations, buddy. The Sydney Marathon. 42Ks, big effort. That's fantastic. Also, if you are uh, on our welcome team, or if you would like to be on our welcome team, we're having some welcome training, some welcome training. It's going to be happening on Sunday, the 29th of October. Uh, we're going to be on a couple of weeks, uh, holiday school holidays coming up. But after that, going to start off term four with a bit of a, a series on, uh, on, on gifts, on how each of us uh, belongs to the body of Christ, and each of us has been gifted uh, with gifts that we can use for God's glory. And one of those might well be uh, if you're a chatter, if you're someone that enjoys a chat, if you're someone that's easily can relate to people, maybe you're called to help us out on the welcome desk on a Sunday morning. We need a few more people on the welcome desk. If you are on the welcome desk, please put, out, uh, put in your calendar. We're going to have some training following worship on Sunday, the 29th of October. So just a little advance notice there about some training uh, for all of us who are, who are keen to be welcoming people in uh, to our church every Sunday morning here at church in the marketplace. Uh, why don't you just spend a moment saying hello to your neighbour? Um, why don't you ask a question about what is it about something in the Bible, a story in the Bible that really gets under your skin? Is there a, a Bible story that really kind of niggles at you? You don't quite understand. And you, when you get to heaven, you're going to ask God why. Why is that? Uh, this parable is perhaps one for me. You might want to grab a Bible as well. If you don't yet have a Bible, if you haven't got an an electronic copy on your phone. You want to grab a hard copy up the back. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 20 this morning. Uh, your kids can head out to, uh, to Kids Church, but why don't you chat to your neighbour for a couple of minutes, say good day, and ask, what is it, what story in the Bible really irks you? I'll see you in a couple of minutes.
Why don't you grab a Bible? We're going to be in Matthew chapter 20. Open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 20. We've been following Matthew uh, throughout the middle months of this year, from uh, right throughout the winter, right pretty much from the end of term one. We started off the year with Exodus, and then we moved into, uh, broadly speaking, we're following uh, Matthew's version of, of the gospel, Matthew's gospel, uh, following Jesus as he's been. Uh, teaching and preaching, calling disciples and, and, and sending them out and, and teaching. And, and today's, today's story from Matthew chapter 20, verses uh, 1 through to 16. Uh, as I said, this is in fact my, my favourite, personally speaking, my favourite parable. It's my favourite because it really, it really pushes my buttons. Uh, it, really, it really makes me think a little bit deeper to go beneath the surface, to look deep into God's kingdom. Uh, you see, on the surface, this parable just seems so unfair. Uh, we humans, particularly we Australians, I think, uh, like things to be fair, don't we? Aussies talk about a fair go. Uh, we like things to be fair income, don't we? And a few of my mates, when they feel things haven't gone well for them, they've been known to say, fair sucker the Savaloy. We like things to be fair, to be legit. Uh, it's, uh, we, so this parable, it doesn't really sit well with our, our modern sort of reward for, for effort uh, mentality. And personally speaking, I, I like to make sure that, that, well, things get done well. I don't like it when things get done unprofessionally or sloppily or lazily, particularly in the church. It really kind of irks me when the church doesn't do things well. Uh, uh, sometimes too deep, in, if, I'm, if I'm truly honest with you, Deep in the recesses of some place in my, in my heart, I also kind of like to be acknowledged for when 
I do a good job. But when things do, do go well, unfortunately, I think like just about all of us, I, I think the applause matters to me on at least some level. Now, being a minister, I'm in the wrong game if I'm, if I'm here, if I'm going to curl up into a ball every time someone says something nasty or I don't get a pat on the back. But, it, but I have to admit, somewhere deep in my soul, somewhere, I, I, do, I, do, I do like the, the applause of others, that I, I do like to be liked. As much as I know that being a people pleaser is no way to live your life, particularly for the follower of, of Jesus, I, I nevertheless have a desire to be patted on the back, to tell that I've, I've done been a really great job, Pete. What you've done really matters. So this parable really gets up my nose. On the surface, it rubs me the wrong way. But of course, it's supposed to. That's what it's supposed to do. I don't think you have to be a perfectionist or a success junkie or a workaholic uh, to be challenged by this parable, even to be offended perhaps by this parable. It's capable of getting under the skin of most of us who've been reared on the values of, of modern Western society. This parable reminds me of God's extravagant grace uh, that it, however, doesn't bring a lot of joy for those of us who think we deserve it. I like to think of that older son in the parable of the, of the prodigal son. That older son, if you remember, it actually finishes up out in the darkness. Jesus tells that story and the older brother, as far as we know, is left out in the darkness while the banquet is, is going on. This parable is a little bit similar, I think. This is a wonderfully scandalous parable, a wonderfully subversive parable. Reminds me that no matter how hard I work, no matter how many years I put in for God's church, I could be leading revivals across the globe for years on end. I could be eradicating world poverty. I could be evangelizing my own neighborhood and evangelizing the nations for years on end. And God, God would, in fact, welcome some Johnny come lately, welcome him into his kingdom just as the same as he does me. Reminds me of the powerful, profound, and scandalous, yet ultimately liberating truth. This liberating truth. That I'll be welcomed into God's kingdom. I'll be welcomed into heaven by the grace of God alone, just like everybody else. Amen? Let's have a look. Uh, Matthew chapter 20, verses 1 through to 16. So Jesus speaking, telling his parable. He says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. About nine in the morning, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go and work in my vineyard and I will, I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again about noon and about three in the afternoon and did the same thing. About five in the afternoon, he went out and found still others standing around. And he asked them, why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. He said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. When evening came, 
the owner of the vineyard, said to his foreman, call all the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came and each received a denarius. So when those who were hired first came, they expected to receive more. But each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These who were hired last worked only one hour, they said. And you've made them equal to us, who have borne the burden of the work in the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, I am not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who was hired last the same I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? So, the last will be first and the first will be... Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that you might give us eyes to see, ears to hear. We we pray that you might... Give us the courage to be honest with ourselves this morning as we consider this parable. Father, we pray that my words might be your words. We pray that I might decrease and you increase in all that is said and in all that is heard. And the people said, well, I think most of us have been raised in a society that is forever ranking people via one sort of criteria or another. I know we've got people from different cultures here this morning, but from what I know of some Asian cultures, I think that's certainly true as well, rewarding uh, the ones that, that, that do well according to the criteria and, and punishing those that fail to live up to a certain standard. Uh, it's also, I think, uh, so much a part of our normal way of thinking and doing things that we take it for granted without even thinking about it. Uh, we aspire to the lofty standards of those above us, of those ahead of us, and we console ourselves with the knowledge that We've never stooped to the depths of some of those that are behind us in the queue. Uh, Much of our image of ourselves is bound up in where we see ourselves positioned in the pack, doesn't it? That is, in comparing ourselves uh, to those around us and and hoping that we're going to be rewarded accordingly for our, our effort. Those who put in the most effort, those with the best and the brightest, of course, in our society, well... They receive the promotions, they receive the accolades, they receive the beach houses, don't they? And we also know, however, that the world doesn't always work that way, but we see that as an injustice, don't we? It grates on us. Nurses should make more money than fashion models, shouldn't they? Where's John? Absolutely. I knew I can count on you, brother. You got me up the back there. Can I get an hallelujah? Child protection workers should make more than TikTok influencers, shouldn't they? Can I get an hallelujah? So this stuff grates on us, doesn't it? We see there's an injustice. We consider this sort of stuff examples of our messed up world. And we want God to come and to put things right. So when Jesus tells this story to explain what God's payroll is like, then it it actually sounds like an injustice to us. And we want to call in our union rep, don't we? Ministers don't have a union, by the way. They're working on it. 
We're addicted to our hierarchies of, of merit, I think, aren't we? We want, God to, we want God to honor them and to reward us accordingly. You can see why the idea of purgatory, by the way, became popular in the Dark Ages, in, in the Middle Ages. Uh, we, we don't want those people that haven't been as faithful as me or even have done quite bad, perhaps, or, or evil things. We don't want them to be rewarded straight away, automatically. We want them to pay for what they've, for what they've done. I may not be Mother Teresa, but I'm certainly not like that guy over there. Now, as I say that, I think we sort of say that as a bit, bit of a joke. But you know what? I actually hear that said, don't you? I hear this semi-regularly on, uh, in the media, in, in podcasts I listen to. So people trying to justify themselves. They actually say, I may not be Mother Teresa, but at least I'm not like that guy. You see it all the time. You hear it all the time. We... We rank ourselves. We sort of set up our own sort of internal pecking order. But scandalously, that's not the way it is, according to Jesus. Everybody who says yes to God's invitation will be welcomed with open arms and equally rewarded. We'll all be treated with equal worth and dignity before God. It's an outrage, isn't it? This scandalous parable shows us that no one who accepts the invitation to come and work for the king, regardless of the hour, is going to get ripped off. In this parable, the reality is no one gets underpaid. It's just that some people got overpaid. It's interesting to imagine, I think, just for a moment, what would have happened that day if those early morning workers, those blokes that got hired at 6 a.m. in the morning and they worked all through the heat of the day, if they had have turned up to the paymaster alone, they would have got their denarius, wouldn't they, and gone on their way happy. They would have been content, knowing that they got what they were promised. But it's only when they see someone else getting the same as them that their mood sours, doesn't it? The fact of the matter is, the owner of the vineyard gave them fair and just pay. The owner of the vineyard in this story, representing God, didn't rip anybody off. In fact, if anything, he blessed them by offering them a day's work. The only thing that they're moaning about is the fact that someone else was made equal to them. Now, be honest. <laughs> Put yourself in their shoes. I think you too must admit, at least on some level, that you'd be tempted for some strange, twisted reason to feel the same. I'll put my hand up and say, I know I would. I know I would. When this sort of thing happens in my life, I strangely, for some stupid reason, feel as though my status has been reduced because someone else has been raised up. You see, I quite like, I, I quite like the gap between me and that other bloke. I feel as though I've earned the gap. I've, I've earned that pay gap. I, I actually think I'm, I'm entitled to that pay gap. Thank you very much. I'm really quite happy for the other bloke to be rewarded, to, to, be, to be massively rewarded even, so long as our relative standing remains in place. I'm genuinely happy for him. Uh, I, I'm, happy, I'm happy that you know, I can be on, happy that he receives generosity from the boss. 
as long as I get what I deserve in comparison to him. You see, I want our receiving to be measured in proportion to our giving. We love the extravagance of God's grace when we're on the receiving end of it, but when others get it too, we sometimes have trouble getting excited for them. It's crazy, isn't it, when you think about it? But the cold, hard truth here is that something has gotten screwed up in my thinking, in my heart. Something has got messed up in this reward-for-effort mentality that we have. It's skewed, it's, it's blinkered. It's in need of a realignment. I need to have a, a bigger picture, I think, of where I stand in, in the queue. So let's rethink that payroll queue for just a moment. Picture yourself in that payroll queue at the end of the day, waiting to get your pay. Picture yourself there for a moment. What if I find myself next to Jesus in the queue? Does Jesus get all sullen that I get an eternal reward? Of course not. He celebrates with me. He celebrates that I get to share in the Father's glory with him. And yet, the reality is, he did all the hard work, right? If I'm honest, I haven't even been that diligent with what he's given me, what responsibilities he's given me down through the years. He went through a gruesome execution, completely devoid of justice for my sake. He did all the hard work. And yet, what do you think you'd hear Jesus saying, to the paymaster on that day when you're next to him in the queue. Insert your own name, but I reckon I hear him say, look, give Pete every, every blessing that I've received. Treat him as though he were God's son too, as though he were as blameless and as worthy as me. I laid down my life for those who don't deserve it. I didn't who didn't often show a great deal of gratitude for it either all the time, it must be said. So it's okay. Pete's with me. Give him every blessing my father has in store for me. This is how much I love him. So I think, friends, if we can stop looking over our shoulder, trying to see what everyone else is getting for a moment, that this is, in fact, incredibly good news, isn't it? If we can break the habit of needing to be recognised as more worthy than some slacker, this is actually mind-bogglingly good news for us. The extravagant generosity of our gracious God is a cause of great celebration. If we don't trap ourselves into trying to work out who deserves it most. The extravagant generosity of God can be a cause for great celebration. We don't fall into the trap of judging who will be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. I don't want to stand in the queue guilty of that on that day. Amen? If my heart is in the right place, my overriding goal will be to see the next person receive the same abundant reward as I've received myself. So in conclusion, can I challenge you to perform a little, a little mental sort of, uh, little mental exercise. I was actually going to hand out bits of paper and pencils for you all to, to do this. But I think it's such a simple little, simple little exercise, such a simple little, simple little balance sheet. You can do it in your head. Can I ask you to imagine in your mind's eye a simple balance sheet, just with two columns, left and right? In the first column, can I encourage you to just take a moment, make a list of everything that 
God owes you. You ever think, what does, what am I entitled to from, from God? If you're honest, you realise that, of course, this task won't take you very long at all. The great preacher R.C. Sproul um, puts it, well, convincingly, he says, if we were to try to list everything God owes us, it would be the easiest task we were ever assigned. One could complete it in record time. The truth is, of course, he owes us nothing except his wrath as punishment for our sins. Now, in that other column in your mind, take a moment just to list all of the ways that God has blessed you. Just take a moment to run through all the things that you're thankful for this morning. Friends, family perhaps, church family, having a roof over your head, having enough food to eat, hot and cold running water in your house, being blessed to live in this free, prosperous country, the very air that you breathe, the assurance of life, eternal life abundant in this life and the next. It's all grace. It's all grace. You hear me say that a lot. It's all grace. God has blessed you. He's overpaid you in so many ways you don't deserve. So I think it's helpful to reflect on this truth every once in a while, to retain a proper perspective on where we actually stand in that queue at the end of the day. You see, if I'm honest with myself, I'm not actually as far up the queue as I maybe think I am. What this story is actually promising me is that I'm going to be treated far better than I deserve. What this story is actually promising me is that God is indeed not fair. God is not fair, and thankfully so. It's telling me that God is so gracious that I'll one day be received into heaven with all the applause and the reward, in fact, due to Mother Teresa or William Wilberforce or Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Assuming we accept that invitation to come and work for the king, and just as an aside, make no mistake, you need to accept that invitation. Those workers did accept that invitation to come and work, even the ones in the last hour of the day. If you have not yet received, you know, taken up that invitation to come and work for the king, to labour for the king, to enter into his service today. Can I pray that you come and see me after the service? I'd love to pray with you and welcome you into God's kingdom. It will be the best decision you ever make. No matter when you do that, you'll be welcomed into the kingdom like any of the mighty saints of history. You'll be as richly rewarded for your achievements equal to those of a Billy Graham or a John Flynn, perhaps. So in closing, God's grace is not for fair, church. He doesn't owe you anything. If God gave us what we truly deserve, according to his holy justice, we'd get, all we would get would be punishment, separation from God that we call hell. Another wonderful preacher, David Platt, hopefully he says it wonderfully, he says, God doesn't owe us salvation for something we've done. 
He doesn't owe us anything for what we've done. Rather, He gives us salvation despite everything we've done. God gives us unearned, unreward, unfair grace. The Bible verse that puts it most simply, most powerfully, is Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. 8 and 9. For you have been saved by grace through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is a gift, not from works, so that no one can boast. It's all gift. It's all free gift. It's all grace. So no matter when God draws you to himself and we start following Jesus, the reward is the same. Eternal blessings, eternal life, life abundant with God our Heavenly Father. Blessings that we do not deserve. It's not fair, and I'm so glad that it isn't. For I am, in fact, a last-minute worker, and I get so much more than I deserve. Amen? Let's pray. Loving Lord, we come to you as last-minute workers. We come to you this morning acknowledging, Father, that you give us so much more than we deserve. Father, we come this morning very thankful, Father, that we don't get what we deserve, that we deserve separation from you, Father, but you nevertheless open your arms wide. You run to greet us or to wrap us up in your embrace. We say thank you for your amazing grace. We say thank you for your scandalous grace. For those of us that have not yet taken up your invitation to come and be part of your kingdom, We pray that you might move in us this morning to take that step, to take that move to say, yes, I desire your amazing grace in my life. I've been standing around in the marketplace doing nothing, Father, living for myself. But I desire to commit my life to you. I want to live for you. I die to myself and I live for you. And Father, perhaps... Some of us here this morning have made that decision, committed to you many, many years ago, Father. We, we need to make a fresh commitment. We need to recommit our lives to you. We need to repent of all the ways, all the times when we felt entitled, when we've been that stuck-up, judgmental, religious type who thinks that somehow you, you owe us something, Father. We acknowledge that Everything we have is gift. Everything we have from you is, 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 is a gift of your amazing grace, your amazing provision to we beggars. Thank you, Father, for your grace. Thank you for your love. Help us to embrace it, to live it, and to share it this week. In Jesus' name, amen. I invite you to uh, stand and sing. Uh, this one is a, is a request from this week. It's a, an oldie but a goodie. It's a simple prayer to God that he might make us a channel of his peace. That where there is hatred, that we might bring joy. That he might use us to bring about his kingdom, even in times of darkness and disunity. That he might use us to bring peace in our world. make me a channel
Make me a channel of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me bring your love. Where there is injury or pardon, Lord. And where there's doubt, true faith in you. Oh, Master, granted I may never just approach the Lord in prayer. Lord, as we come to worship you this morning, we lift up our hearts for your wonderful works. So great are you who created heaven and earth and, in, and all the stars. You cause us to change, you cause the tides to change and the mountains to grow. You start the heartbeat of a tiny baby bird and blow the breath into the life of a newborn child. We thank you and praise you, Lord, for your timeless promise to never leave us or forsake us. In life's celebrations, you rejoice with us. In life's challenges, you urge us on. In life's discouragements, you encourage. In life's discouragements, you encourage. In the storms of life, you calm our fears. In victories, you are jubilant. In defeats, 
you are closer than ever. How wonderful are the ways you strengthen us with your love and your grace. Father, there is so much in our lives for which we need forgiveness. For time we have wasted, for opportunities neglected, for strengths we have given to the wrong causes and for all the mistakes we have made. When we think of our own failures, we thank you most of all for your son, Jesus Christ, who gave his life and ransom for us all. We ask your forgiveness, Lord, and that through your grace we may walk more closely with you. Heavenly Father, we bring before you today all those who are particularly in need to feel the comfort of your love. Our hearts go out to the Chapman family as they grieve for the loss of Bronwyn's father. May your love and your strength uphold them and your peace surround them. We also pray for Margaret Watt, who is recovering slowly from a medical incident recently. May your love and your peace be with her and the family as they lean on you for comfort and strength. We pray for those who have been hurt or disappointed by life, those for whom life is lonely, those who endure ill health, for all who face trials and temptations and anxieties. In this first place, first, sorry, fast placed worst world all around us, we can cling to the rock of Jesus Christ. We also pray for Christians in other lands who suffer persecution as they meet to pray for you. We pray for peace and love to spread among all nations. We lift up to you those who suffer as a result of war, injustice, intolerance and persecution. For children, the young and the old, the poor and neglected ones in all nations. We also continue to pray for Andrew and Oksana and the YWAM team in the Ukraine and all the groups who are scattered around the world. We pray that you will be close to them and protect them. We are so blessed that we can know you personally and have the privilege and freedom to serve you in this world of confusion and chaos in so many countries. Grant us grace to receive your truth in faith and love, to be obedient to your will and strengthened by your Holy Spirit and live always for your glory through Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you, Marion. Uh, just the way we've got our newest member of our church family with us, Aria's with us. She's, this is Aria. Welcome to the world, Aria. So great to have you with us. As Simon and Suji, we give thanks to God for the safe arrival of young Aria. Is she well? You're well? Praise God. Praise God for new life. It's so great to have her with us this morning. Let's uh, stand and sing our, uh, our closing song. We're going to song, sing, Give Me Jesus. Thank you. 
Friends, go out this week seeking more of Jesus, seeking not the things of this world, seeking worldly acclaim and prestige, your place in the queue in comparison to what the next person might have, seeking more of Jesus in every part of your life. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all, now and forevermore.